When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's give them something and tell them about. Well, there's a song I know. <laughs> Cacadoche. Like, like, um, what's the word? Uh, <laughs> 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 the word is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm Alex Higley. And I'm Lindsay Hunter. And I'm, I'm a writer. writer, but... Welcome to I'm a Writer, but today we have Chelsea Martin with us, writer, comic artist, and illustrator. She was 23 when she published her first collection, Everything Was Fine Until Whatever, a genre-blurring book of short fiction, nonfiction, prose, poetry, sketches, and memoir. She's also the author of Caca Dolce, (laughs) Even Though I Don't Miss You, and The Real Funny Thing About Apathy, among others. In an interview with David Moscovich on wordriot.org, she listed some of her influences as a small selection of rap music, advertising, pop culture, outer space, line drawings, stand-up comedy, Julia Roberts, and, quote, when someone says something and nobody hears it. (laughs) (laughs) Martin lives in Spokane, Washington, with her husband and son, and writes for Nylon, The Inlander, Electric Literature, and many other publications. Welcome, Chelsea. Thanks. Thanks. Was that bio Okay. Yeah, I liked hearing that old list I made. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's so cute. But I did that. I used to wonder why, like, every time you have something somewhere or you're doing something, someone would be like, send me your preferred bio. Because it would be like, well, I know I have a bio on my website, but now it's like having to update your bio all the time is such <laughs> such a, yeah. a pain. I feel and, like I just, uh, I just get more and more boring because I don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yes, like the, like the I one write, I live that David Moscovich thing that must have been like ten years ago. So. <laughs> I just loved God. it so much. Yeah, yeah. never take it out. <laughs> um, all right, we are ready to hear you read. What do you have for us? Okay, well, I'm gonna read from my novel that I'm like still working on. Awesome. Or yeah, uh, but I also want to say that I like when I do readings, I do this. Thing where I like collage parts of things together Ooh. um I don't know why I do it I can't stand reading like straight through so and I just I forgot we were doing this today so I just kind of threw this together I don't know how much sense it's going to make I love that so, yeah anyway I'm gonna do that I hadn't seen Rushmore that was the premise I knew very little about it aside from visuals of the characters that seemed to pop up on tv or online I knew Jason Schwartzman wore a red beret I knew Bill Murray went to a pool I wanted to remake the film based on other people's memories of it. Strangers, hopefully a lot of them. A collective understanding of Rushmore, researched and produced by me, all with creative, with all creative decisions being mine. Also, I'd play all the parts. 
I was nervous as I described this project to my classmates and started to trip over my words. They don't tell you how much public speaking is involved in making art. I was lucky to be at art school, everyone kept telling me, among these bright creative minds. But I was here too. I was one of the bright creative minds advertised to the other bright creative minds as one of the reasons they should be here, which worried me. I didn't feel like a bright creative mind. It seemed like maybe we had all bought into this self-referential pyramid scheme because we badly wanted to believe that we could be considered to someone a bright creative mind. It is tempting to blame myself for my bad ideas, but maybe there is someone else to blame. Maybe my drawing one professor who stressed maybe too much the idea of negative space. Maybe I can blame the drawings I made trying to draw what I would have normally thought of as not there or nothing. Maybe that process stuck with me and caused me to feel ultimately that the specific movies I hadn't watched somehow make up a meaningful or interesting part of my life. That the shape of all those unwatched movies and Rushmore in particular wasn't ever not there, that it was since its release also in my subconscious and influencing things around and around my world without my knowing, giving shape to what I thought was real. Every day I wake up and make the choice to keep doing this to myself. Like being an artist is my only shot at making it to the next part of my life, the part where I don't have to make art anymore. 30% of an artist's life is devoted to pretending you like your own ideas. 10% is finding enjoyment and making huge mistakes. 6% is going along with other people's interpretations of your art. 5% is believing your own bullshit even as you're in the process of making it up. 10% is trying to view your own art from your current love interest perspective. 9% is keeping a journal next to your bed. 5% is remembering the feeling of loudly being dissed by the person you most idolized in third grade. 5% is finding something obscure to constantly reference. 20% is ignoring the people who like your work. One year when we were young, my sister Jenny made Christmas cards for everyone in the family. The one she made for me depicted Santa bending over to take a shit near a fence of candy canes. I was impressed by the detailing in Santa's hands and boots, his expression, the haphazard coloring of his suit. I stared at it for hours in awe of, of her skill. My own fine motor skills were not great and I couldn't imagine having such control over a pencil. Draw me, I said. She drew me in bed with Landon, a boy who lived down the street who I found disgusting, both of us smoking cigarettes. I understood the connotations and I hated it. She drew another on the back of the same piece of paper. This time Landon's genitals were exposed and we had speech bubbles. Landon said, that was great. Mine said, can't wait to do it again. There are hearts in my eyes and above my head. I ripped it from her hands, worried my mom would see it or that Jenny would show it to Landon and he would think this was a fantasy of mine. I needed to destroy it. These drawings erased my visceral disgust with Landon. It was horrifying to see my own reality being torn down. The images seemed more real and tangible than my own feelings. My own hysterical denial seemed only to prove it further. The bedspread even looked like mine. But for some reason, once I had the drawing in my possession, I didn't destroy it. I kept it. I moved it around to different hiding places on a somewhat obsessive weekly basis. I realized Jenny could make similar drawings with as much ease as she made the first ones if she wanted to. Her talent was what I feared, not this particular drawing. Still, when I looked at it, I felt a wave of disgust as fresh as when Jenny showed it to me the first time. I was careful to fold it back up exactly in the same way so I wouldn't make more creases. It was the first piece of art that made me feel something. If someone asks you for money and you don't give it to them, and then they start doing crack, you suspect in front of their kid 
but you don't know for sure because you don't spend any time with them. And they ask you for money again, and you still don't give it to them. And they continue hanging out with their heroin addicted homeless ex-boyfriend and panhandling for cash and stealing Cheetos from the liquor store. And you know all this because you read police reports from your shared hometown. You read these reports instead of calling. And they ask you for money again, and you still won't give it to them. Not even $10, not even $5, because you believe that once you give them money, you will forever be their money person. And you begin to pull away from them even more than you already had. And you stop asking other people how they're doing or reading the police reports because knowing what's going on in their life makes you sad and ashamed in ways you don't want to confront at the moment or maybe ever. And because you don't want to see yourself as someone who refuses to help someone who needs help is begging you for help that you could help if you chose to help, but you won't help because you have this vision of yourself as an artist, a successful one, one who likes what they do. And if you stop working towards that vision to help someone else, the vision will disappear and you will be left with nothing. Then you just have to laugh because isn't it funny how everything is always, 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 always about you? And that's it. That's it. I'm sorry. It took me a long time to get my mouse to to squiggle around to unmute myself. But so, yeah. I was um, like cracking up alone here in my basement and shaking my head and hitting my knee as if I was at the reading with you. So I hope you felt that energy. I was just thinking like how long it's been since I've read anything out loud and like it's felt so awkward and weird. Yeah. Reading out loud in the age of coronavirus over zoom without your camera on what could be more glamorous. God, it's horrible. I mean, I hate readings in the first place, but to read to like a black screen and (laughs) not hearing anything. (laughs) I know we always mute ourselves. And I, and I, every time I regret it, because I'm like, they're just reading to dead air and thinking (laughs) I suck, but trust me, I, I think we were both loving it. No, definitely. The part where you said, um, you want like at the point where you were an artist so you could stop being an artist or something like that <laughs> just like just recognize me as the great artist that I am so I can fucking stop yeah let me do something else <laughs> yes I just want to love the life that I have god <laughs> yeah <laughs> so who did you who did you know from like that phantom planet or schwartzman world because I feel like it pops up in your work every once in a while is that the one of those people just kind of grow up near you or is it just like some kind of funny thing that you continually come back to or um yeah I don't well I don't know not like nothing in particular I feel like it's just that like that whole scene is like very present on accident in my life that's so funny yeah I don't really know the uh Ben Lee paid played a show right near where I used to work in like north of the city in Chicago and Jason Schwartzman was just in the crowd and my buddy ended up talking to him for like an hour and a half apparently and said that he was just like the most down to earth, nice guy. And now every time I see his movies, I'm just like, Oh God, I love this guy. I love Schwartzman. It's like, just like one anecdote. It just like makes me a like loyal fan forever. That's cool. I keep going back and forth about him. I I can't tell if he's like cool or not. Totally agree. That's why, that's why I needed that anecdote. Yeah, that's yeah, that's good. I'm glad he's a nice guy. Yeah. He be. What's it like working on on this novel? I mean, does it feel how long have you been working on it and and how do you get work done? Well, it's I mean, I'm I'm saying I said I work on it, but I I sold it to Soft Skull and now I'm just kind of waiting for edits. So I said that mm-hmm. meaning like I'm not 
done or something. I'm still editing it, but mm. um, yeah, I turned in like my final or I finished my final draft like in May last year or something. So oh, it's wow. been a while since I even looked at it. That's the thing about like, it takes so long to make, make a novel. And then like you, you become this whole other person, you know, and you have to remember the person you were as you wrote it. Yeah. And it's, it can feel, it can feel strange. Are you doing like copy edits or deeper than that? I haven't gotten any edits back yet. So oh, just, okay. Yeah. Just been working on other stuff, but yeah, it is really weird to like, try to get back into like that mode like that yeah when you've been working on other stuff and it's been like a year what else are you working on um I'm just like started a new project I kind of don't like know what I'm doing exactly Mm. um is it fiction Chelsea yeah and I'm doing like this new process because now I have a baby and so writing it looks a lot differently sure um so it's like it feels really weird to I don't know. I don't know what I'm working on exactly. <laughs> what What did writing look like before baby and what does it, how is it different now? I mean, before, like, I just had, you know, all the time in the world, I would have like eight hours days to write. And would you, um, would you spend eight hours writing or? I mean, sometimes, but a lot of that would be like, you know, quote unquote researching something or like fucking around a little bit or like just sitting there thinking mm-hmm. um but yeah so now it's like uh an hour mm-hmm. like three days a week so I just really have to like get shit out of my brain mm-hmm. yeah. do you find yourself like fucking doing the fucking around and thinking part like while you're like building a tower of blocks with your child or like you know like that sort of I do a little but I find that very hard Mm. and like not I don't know I I can't really think very well while I'm playing or reading little books Mm -hmm. it's hard yeah and they can always tell can't they like my kids Mm -hmm. if I'm like staring in the distance while I'm you know mixing something for them they're like mom 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 Yeah, Lindsay and I were just kind of talking about that, like how even like they really can just tell right away, (laughs) like just if the attention has even wandered a little bit, even if you're not like actively doing something else, it's like, okay, they've sensed the shift in the room and it must be called out. Yeah, my son is is has like no ability to play independently. So wow, it's um, a lot of uh, very serious play all the day. Do you like playing with your with your kid? Well, he's one and a half. So it's like, it's, I feel like it's maybe even harder than an older kid because he doesn't really play. He just throws things around and like looks at things. And mm-hmm. like, I'm like, I don't know, I'll just spend an hour making a Duplo tower mm-hmm. and he'll just be next to me. Like he enjoys that, but I'm like, this is what I'm doing. I'm just, because <laughs> right. he'll be upset if I go do something else or <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's really weird. It's feels wacky, and we and we read a lot of books. He loves books, awesome. but, which is yeah, it's awesome, and I like really try to encourage it, but it's so boring. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> so, so boring. Do you skip pages? Do you skip pages, Chelsea? <laughs> I'm starting to, or like read just like one part of the page and be like, that page is over. 
elephant jump. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Yeah. I, it took me a long time to get to that point where I was actually skipping. And then I felt like real guilt about it for a couple of days. And I was like, what the fuck am, what the, what am I talking about? Who gives a shit? Just read the book. Who cares? They, they yeah. Well, it doesn't really help. Right. Cause they just want more books. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's like a, it's like a churn. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm always like, oops, mommy has to go pee pee. So I can just like, you know, close the door. Uh, yeah, I'd have a good lock on the bathroom door. <laughs> it just enrages them. Chelsea, I was curious because I just read Cacadolce. Like I told you, I finished it this morning. I was really curious about um, the way you approached dialogue in that book and if there was any kind of carryover into the novel that you have coming, if there was a kind of... Um, I was just curious if you how you approach reconstructing dialogue, if that's how you even think about it for that book, and if there was some kind of carryover into what you do in your fiction. Um, let's see if I can remember what I did. All I know it's such ago. an unfair question because it came out a while ago, but uh, I mean, with well, first of all, writing essays, I'm I'm really trying to like get be truthful or like okay. be truthful to what. I mean, obviously, I can't remember full conversations from a long time ago, but I'm trying to be authentic in what was said or like what I felt was said. So with that, I did like, well, I looked at like old emails and letters and things and uh, tried to like figure out how I was talking. Right. Um. But I do think, I don't know. Yeah, that's an interesting thing to think about because I do think like there's a style that I, I like in dialogue where it kind of like, you don't get the full conversation, you just get part of it. Right, definitely. I mean, yeah. I think that's so that's so clear in that book. I mean, like the way the characters are drawn, I was telling Lindsay before we got on, I was like, I felt like, you know, with like a 15% tweak, if you just hand that to me, I was like, oh, this could be a novel. I mean, like just they felt like real characters they didn't feel like people in an essay and, and, and that's i guess that's why i was so interested in how you approach dialogue mm, yeah well there's not a ton of different characters i guess because it's like the same right yeah my family and stuff yeah i don't know dialogue's a weird thing i feel like it, it it always feels like a fresh problem to solve like trying to make it sound realistic and m like move things forward without it feeling super stupid right. <laughs> yeah absolutely do you read your stuff aloud to yourself like as you're editing no 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 <laughs> 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 i no. should i really should but i don't i can't handle it why mm, i don't know uh sounds horrible <laughs> <laughs> Do you have readers? Do you have like readers who read your stuff before you submit it or people who give you thoughts? Not usually with a, with a book length project, I will have um, a few friends read it mm -hmm. before I will like send it to my agent. Mm -hmm. um, but not, not smaller things really. And I don't, I don't know. I feel really protective of work in progress and don't really want to talk about it even usually. Mm -hmm. Is it like a superstitious jinxy thing? More than just like I feel like I want to um I don't want to have to explain why I changed my idea or something. Mm -hmm. 
Like, I don't want to have to be accountable to what I thought the project was at one point in time. Mm-hmm. And I'll feel self-conscious if people know about it. I think it just inhibits like my creative process mm-hmm. to talk about it too much. But yeah. When you give it to your friends right before your agent, what kind of feedback are you hoping for from them? Like this was good or, or like something deeper than that? Mm, I don't know. I don't really like expect a certain thing. Mm-hmm. I am like, uh, I don't know. I guess I wish I had friends that were like, g- gave me more intense critique. I think most of my friends are always like, oh, this is good. Good job. Or I would like something a little deeper or like tell me where the problems are or what's confusing or what doesn't make sense or where I'm like veering off into um, like too much, like, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I just have weird problems. I feel like no one points out that I know are there. So I wish people what? were more Name negative. Them. Name them. What are they? <laughs> well, one thing I feel like I do is like write out a lot of like philosophical sounding things that mm. are stupid. And like, I'm just working out like what I'm writing about on the page, mm-hmm. but it ends up in the story. And I, I always end up cutting it, but I, it, I always do it. And it's always there for a long time. I'm just interested because I like, there are things that I think I always do. And like, sometimes I'll mention them like to Alex or whoever. And they're like, what? <laughs> and it's like, this thing that is so obvious and I'm such an idiot, you know, but it's like, no, you're an idiot for these other reasons. Like <laughs> that thing you're worried about. Yeah. Is nothing. Well, there's multiple reasons you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for validating my reality. There's no limit, Lindsay. No limit. <laughs> Can you talk about like your... Um, so here's another way that I'm an idiot is I'll just go right into the next topic. No, nah, okay. no, nah, I fucking rules. <laughs> you can't hold me down. Um, can you talk about like what it's like to be an artist and a writer? You know, like, like sometimes when you're writing, do you feel like, oh, I should, I should draw this or paint this and vice versa? Yeah, I do. In fact, with the, the novel I just read from, I was, I wanted it to be a graphic novel at some point. I and then I, wanted to do all these drawings for it and I kept having to like be like that's not that's not this project like I know you want to do that and it seems like it makes sense because it's about an artist but it's just not it's not going to be the thing (laughs) like so I feel like I want to like do everything all the time but I have to scale back do you think you're protective of your of your writing process and uh, you know kind of whatever you're working on while it's in progress because you have a, a background in visual arts and we're like subjected to critiques on, on that kind of stuff in school and stuff, or, or do you, is it, is it just kind of who you are in regardless what medium you're working in? Um, I am like not very forthcoming as a person. I don't really like to give a lot away to people, especially if I, if I'm not, super confident about it or very sure of it right so yeah I don't know I don't know if it has something to do with visual art I like I really liked the critique process and I wish like I could recreate that without going back to school right like just people I don't know who are doing work so different from me 
talking about my work that that is so valuable even if they hate it like what does this random person think i'm doing Mm -hmm. there's nothing better than that yeah yeah Yeah. i remember in my uh we had that sort of similar thing at the art institute uh grad program for writing where you would show your portfolio to a bunch of different artists writers and and painters and sculptors and all that and i remember just being an utter idiot in mine <laughs> like jesse ball being like mean? jesse ball you know who's like so yeah. smart and so sweet and 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 is jesse ball being like what are you you know like what are you hoping for here like what are you going for here and i was like i just want people to be entertained and I think he was just like, oh, <laughs> but it's true. It's so, you know, like pe- these people who like in a way, because they don't do what you do, like they take it seriously in a way that like other writers might not right? like, or other artists might not because they're like, they're viewing it as something that like is, is very different from them. And so they're taking it seriously, you know, like they're taking it as like a finished thing and like offering their thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. that really should be something that people can access without going to school right like that should be like a social media site God. yeah yeah we need more social media sites oh, oh God, yeah, yeah that's what we need you know <laughs> <laughs> are we like brainstorming for the next like big tech should we move? should we move yeah. to silicon valley welcome to our mlm <laughs> this is it we actually got you on here to uh just cra- like you know we need a deposit though before we can let you off and- okay, you see great. how we just effortlessly steered you toward this oh my god <laughs> yeah this felt really natural guys <laughs> it feels like i like partly like it was my idea so i'm very convinced oh yeah we've been working oh, on this pitch yeah wow week. this is great yeah definitely yeah definitely i don't know and also just the um i don't know well my husband's an artist too and like I'll give him stuff to read and he's not um he's a big reader but he doesn't read like anything that I read really but he comes to my work with like an artistic perspective that's totally different from mine which is just like very interesting and cool and um usually extremely negative really yeah (laughs) yeah uh like constructively negative or just like yeah 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 is this an intervention yeah like like this i don't know this part is really weird (laughs) oh okay i was gonna say like that i can totally relate to that then i'm like when you said negative i'm like jesus fuck but no i mean yeah my wife if i i i my wife maybe reads some of the published stuff and i think if i handed her something in progress she would just be like yeah sounds like you i don't know like yeah yeah exactly (laughs) like what do you want me to say this is weird doesn't make sense i guess publish it (laughs) yeah i guess do your writing thing whatever (laughs) what do you like to read what are your favorite things to read uh i i don't know just like normal contemporary stuff i guess i um i don't know i hate that question honestly (laughs) the only reason i asked is because you said he your husband reads things that much different that than the stuff that you read. That's right. That's right. Um, sure. I don't, I mean, he doesn't, he's not at all interested in like literary stuff, mm. like novels. Doesn't read it. Um, he'll read like, um, I don't know, like I got him like Cronenberg's novel. Mm. Well, I didn't even know like he that. wrote a novel. 
Yeah, I've been meaning to read it too, but I just haven't. But <laughs> I wonder if it's good. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he'll read like more like sci-fi stuff. Hmm. What's the best? What's the best thing you've read recently? Uh. Wow! I just said I hate this question, and I just get pummeled with it again. I know. I'm, to I'm double down. <laughs> um. What? Did I, well, I just read Milkfed. I love that. Oh yeah. Oh yes. I I'm, I'm excited to that. read that. Yeah, pretty good. Okay, you heard it here first. <laughs> pretty good. It's actually one of the first things I've read while watching my baby in like, oh, wow. like since he was like a baby, like since he was like breastfeeding. Mm. Wow. Um, because it's so like just so easy to read and like I don't know, and it, and it's like you know a book with short chapters, so I can just read a short chapter while he's eating lunch and then put it down i'm telling you that is like that should be a like a genre at bookstores because yeah like, I, so many chapters yeah and, and i just mean like goes down easy fiction yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But yeah like yeah. but it isn't shitty you know like it's like genuinely good goes down easy not gonna make you like squint you know and try i was to- trying yeah. to describe it and i came up with the term beach read which i know is very wrong because it's not like it's not like that but and i hate that term but yeah there should be a there should be a word for it because it is such a cool genre <laughs> and like yeah yeah, yeah. and especially and for newer parents it's like that's what you want is you want a win like we yeah. desperately yes. need a win yeah i need a, like one funny sentence on every page yes and um not too much to think about just yeah. enough <laughs> you should read uh true grit this this definitely falls into this category really i, I swear to god i okay. i i fucking i read it last last week week two weeks ago and i just i loved it so much. i'd never read any charles fortis but it's one of those ones like you're saying it's like it's a book that you don't want to describe it as like not challenging or something because that sounds like a pejorative but it's like yeah. it does it's just like you know it's like very very clear but also like sharply observed and the kind of thing where you're not going to feel like uh, the style is like beating you in the head or something, or there's some kind of game that you have to parse out. It's like, yeah, it's just a well-told story. Here you go. Yeah. What could be better? Seriously. That's right. It's like, we need to still feel like we're alive and that we're capable of doing these things that we used to like, you know, bathe ourselves in. And that is not (laughs) easy to write. I mean, no, uh, like when I haven't read, uh, milk fed but uh, you know the kind of thing you're describing is like deceptively difficult to pull off totally it is like well you were saying earlier Lindsay, that you're writing to entertain and and like as if that's like a bad thing to think but i am like i come to literature like wanting to be entertained like yeah that's what i want i want to have fun <laughs> like yeah that's when i feel the most connected is like oh my gosh like this person has this like outlook on life that i've you know that i treasure yeah. Or, you know, like, and, and I don't know. Or they're having fun making this up. Yeah. Yeah. Chelsea, your work has that like in spades. I, I was texting my sister as I was reading Cacadolce about this, the spoon chapter. Oh God. Because it reminded me of her, like, my, like it reminded me of my sister in the best way. Just like that kind of like, okay, this is how I'm going to live for a period of time. And like, <laughs> this is what I'm going to do. And just like that kind of, um, I don't know. That kind of decision making feels to me like it's like indicative of someone who is going to grow up and become a maker. And obviously, like you're writing this, you know, from a retrospective 
you know, like you're going back and recreating this point of view, but at the same mm-hmm. time, like it really was so much like, Oh my God, like, yes, she is going to grow up and write this book. Like in, in, <laughs> in, you know what I mean? I mean, it's, it sounds perverse to say it that way, but like, I just love that, that, that kind of sharply observed, but also like just dead familiar kind of observation was so cool. Interesting. Yeah. It's very Chelsea Martin. Totally. Have you heard of her? <laughs> <laughs> um we uh asked people to give us wild card questions oh did anyone give us any yes and i'm gonna ask both of them because i just feel like chelsea deserves both of them definitely and that can be interpreted in a negative or a positive way i'm gonna say negative okay perfect perfect you will you you probably will hate both of these questions so i already hate it i already hate this whole thing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> setup is terrible just people online asking questions no and i'm there there are questions from twitter and oh God. i'm gonna oh tell Lord. you the names ted flanagan at ted emtp fuck you ted oh my God. <laughs> just, kidding. just kidding i love ted he was ready for that okay he's fine, okay. He's fine. um he's he fine. says someone pays you the best compliment you could imagine what would that be Oh, this is very personal. Mm-hmm. The best compliment. Oh my God. I don't know. Lindsay, do you have any idea? Because I have no idea. This is all about Chelsea. Oh my God. I'm trying to bail her oh, out. Can't sure. you tell? No, I'm, I'm going to be silent <clears throat> until she says it. <laughs> you can't cut any of the silence out. Either. I'm not going to. <laughs> oh no. Have you not? You must have not listened because Lindsay embraces <laughs> these dead spots. <laughs> oh my god this is a, like a very hard question I can't I'm trying to think of like a compliment that I really like that I once got I can't even think of anything it's like as if I've never gotten a compliment oh no well, that says a ton about now you. we're getting somewhere <laughs> it does say a ton about me doesn't it somebody Turned please pay Chelsea a compliment oh my god I'm dying for a compliment yes okay <laughs> what's gonna happen to me <laughs> oh my god oh i don't know i don't even know like if it would be something about my work or my person yeah i don't know i mean i guess if someone said i was a good mom i would really like that there you go perfect okay ms annie t at grow old grow old wants to know what's your first celebrity crush i love this question Mm-hmm. first celebrity crush oh well does a doll count yes then chucky <laughs> oh yeah it's like the opening of the book for sure <laughs> that was very worth it oh my god <laughs> chucky shameless plug for cockadol there you go <laughs> okay chelsea if people want to find more about you where should they, where should they go um should they leave you alone? <laughs> Just leave me alone, God. <laughs> you can tweet more uh wildcard questions at Chelsea. If somebody asked me a, a wildcard question on Twitter, I'm gonna have a breakdown. <laughs> it's definitely gonna happen now. Do not ask Chelsea not any wildcard questions. Definitely don't at underscore Chelsea underscore Martin <laughs> ask her any wildcard questions. I'll do it. But definitely oh. do. Go to jerkethics.com 
and yeah sure do that and buy her stuff buy her books when is Mm -hmm. the what is what's the soft school novel called uh i don't know (laughs) okay and when is that supposed to come out next week (laughs) yeah tomorrow um yeah 2022 you got a lot of time to plan for it you have time so we cannot pre-order that yet but we will I feel like this fell apart <laughs> no, this is wonderful no 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 this is good this is what we wanted we wanted the breakdown okay <laughs> i'm gonna add like um, way more silences as i go through as well so it's just you know okay, that seems I hope smart. that's a promise yeah that seems really smart yeah i'm on board with that. get some yeah. frog sounds in there oh so make it seem like i every time you ask me a question i'm like frantically searching on google for the answer <laughs> And like loud typing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna splice in after every question. Fuck you, Ted. Yeah. Oh okay. Seriously, Ted, go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> I said that before I even knew the question, but I was really oh. right. <laughs> Chelsea, you're a good mom. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm gonna cry. Oh. Okay, we will release you. Okay. Thanks for coming well, on. Yeah, jerkethics.com thank you chelsea you're seriously such an amazing writer i'm now i'm going to be sincere uh we get excited every time one of your books comes out so thank you thank you for being on yeah i can't wait to read your new awesome. novel in 2022 okay. if i'm still alive yeah You had such uh, a good question about the dialogue. I actually was, I was curious when she started to like hem and haw a little bit. I was like, Oh, she really doesn't want to, she either hasn't thought about it, which is okay. Because I'm actually that way too. Sometimes where I honestly have not thought about whatever I'm being asked. And mm-hmm. I know that feeling where you're like, well, fuck, I, I, I can bullshit right now, but if it's a genuine question, you don't really feel like doing that. I don't know. Yeah. And her work, I think it sounds to me like her work is very um, like, well, a lot of her stuff is personal. Right. And and I'm yeah. sure that's that she writes definitely yeah. from that and even yep. in her fiction. And like, so sometimes when you're asked these questions that feel very like, like um, technique or um, like you, you went in making choices, you yeah. know, it can be like, I don't know. Everything I do is intuitive, you know, or yeah. Yeah. It's like, or just maybe like it's extra invasive because it's like, well, I already shared like a lot of my real life with you in the work. Yeah. Like, what is there more to say? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I have no idea, but. Well, because I could relate to her saying, you know, you know how I roll like, no, nobody reads my stuff and I don't really show it to anyone because it feels too like, dicey. Yeah. Right. And um, so I can really relate to that because it feels like. Sometimes it feels like, well, I don't actually know the answer to these things. Like I'm trying to be better about that because it hurts to put something out in the world that you don't know those when you don't know the answers to those things. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think when she was saying that too, I was thinking, Lindsay, I was like, I think I actually have taken like uh, an approach that is like 180 degrees different from that as a way to kind of... Um, fight that like superstitious urge or like 
self and self-important urge. And that's my word, not her word, but just like almost to the point where it's like, yeah, this is what I'm working on. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. to like, I don't know. Cause I feel like I can sometimes in the past, I've definitely been guilty of like being too precious about something or whatever. And that hasn't been the case for a while, but like, still, I, I do know that impulse where it's like, you want to protect it. You want to protect it. You want to protect it. But I don't know. For me, I think it reaches a point where it's like, okay, to what end? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. maybe if I do get a little bit more input on this aspect or this aspect, or I'm able to approach this with a a different mindset earlier on in the in the drafting process, who's to say that wouldn't be beneficial? Um, I don't know. I I, I think this that is, stuff is this... really really fraught though and very personal. So I totally respect anybody's choice, however they want to get the work done. Yeah, and like. As an artist too, I bet it's such a different process. Mm-hmm. Like you might not show people like, this is a sketch I did. It's not the finished art piece, but you know. Um, but is this her first novel? I should probably know that, but I feel it like- is. I'm almost yeah. positive it is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like when I, I think when you're writing something like a new format like that, or um, it can feel super like risky to talk about. Totally. Because like, I can just remember being like, I, you know, I don't know what I'm doing, (laughs) you know, like I don't, and it has, it's, it's, it's exactly like you're saying, like the more you go along, the more you're able to just um, like understand why you weren't able to talk about something. And then like, and then like dig deeper than that. Yeah. Like I, I always hear people say like, Oh, if you can't describe what your book's about in a sentence, then that's a bad sign. And I I don't think that's true, but I do think it's like a good skill to have, you know? I agree. I mean, and I think, one aspect of this that I, that I've come to realize really recently um, during the pandemic, I've just, I've been talking to a lot more writers that are professors, mm-hmm. you know, just text or whatever. And it's like, many of them have a much, uh, a much deeper understanding of their own work uh, readily available to them because they're speaking to students all the time and mm-hmm. they are engaging with text on a day-to-day basis in a way where they are expected to lead discussions and, you know, so on and so forth, where it's actually like the basis of their workday. Whereas for me personally, the basis of my workday is completely unrelated to writing. And even if I'm thinking about something I'm working on, that doesn't mean that I'm thinking about a craft element that I'm sharing with 18 year olds or 19 year olds or something. I'm not engaging with like literature during my day in that fashion. And as a result, I honestly think like I didn't quite realize at what a disadvantage I am uh, to someone who is engaging with with text in that way throughout their day, just in describing their own work or even whatever, even though it's stuff that like, you know, I can participate in these conversations. I can I can absolutely understand and follow along. It's like I don't feel like some idiot. But at the same time, like there is a dexterity that someone who is a professor and you know, teaching this kind of stuff all the time has at the ready that I feel like sometimes I'm approaching things from a little bit more of an intuitive starting place. And I I kind of prefer to be less cerebral early Mm -hmm. in the drafting process and Mm -hmm. kind of just like let it reveal to me, you know, over the, over the course of time. I don't know. I mean, that's definitely how I roll as well. Um, Because I think like, Chelsea mentioned this a little bit where, you know, she's like, well, I don't want to have to re-explain what it's about when it changes. Yeah. Um, you know, I've started projects before with an outline 
uh, you know, or like a broad, like idea. And, and that's like this, you know, like the, I don't know, the cerebral, like plan a type a type way of, um, right. of going about writing and, and it always changes, you know? And so it's like, mm-hmm. I'd rather, I'd rather get in where I feel like, like excited and like, and like, I'm doing the, the part of the book that I need to be doing at that moment, rather than like, this is the next part of my outline or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think now I'm learning how to apply uh, like intention or, you know, like accept intention or recognize intention as I'm revising. And as I'm like rethinking it, rethinking through everything um, where like before I felt like, you know, like when I was early, you know, like that felt like a failure or like something I should have done already or, you know, like um, just too large of a mountain to climb, you know, you have an intention and meet it. Yeah. Like when you're going through the revision process and you're like, mm-hmm. oh shit, this is broken. Oh shit. It's broken again. You know, like right, it felt right. like, oh, well, you know, then I'm doing this wrong. Whereas like, oh no, that's just like part of the process. Right. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, I definitely understand that. I think a lot of times too, a lot of the fiction I love is the stuff that just remains mysterious to me mm-hmm. and, you know, really holds up to repeated readings where you're arriving at the end and you're thinking, okay, I don't know. <laughs> like, you know, name it, a it, book like that. Well, I'm, I'm thinking of a couple of stories in particular. Um, there is a story in Gallatin Canyon, Tom McGuane book. And I mean, can't remember the name of the story, the story uh, visitation by Brad Watson, which I talk about all the time. Those stories like, there's a sentence to sentence clarity, but the, the sum of the parts, why the story is so powerful, even though I've, I've actually broken them down, it's like, it's still staggering to me that there's powerful as they are, they, that they have, that they move the way they do and are effective in the way they are. It's mysterious. And do you think part uh, of that is personal or do you think it's just objectively true? That's a great question. Um, because like some of this stuff, might be like triggering that there's that word again. Um, I don't know. Like some of my favorite stories do that where it's like, tell me, tell me what you're thinking of. Well, I always think about where are you going? Where have you been by Mm -hmm. Joyce Carol Oates? That's like, to me, that's like the ultimate. I always think of it as the Dylan story. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's like a Dylan kind of figure. Uh, Well, I mean um, like, in a horrifying way sure (laughs) like in a wig and boots that are too big right um but yeah that's just like a slowly building horror Mm -hmm. um and it and the ending feels inevitable even as you're like you know hoping and praying that it it isn't um Mm -hmm. and i don't know how she does it you know like i i think i a million times i've sat down to try to write my own version of that story um because really like 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 with that thought in mind like i'm gonna write my yeah i'm gonna write this story i'm gonna like try to do the same thing that she did really um yeah yeah and have i read any of those stories are there any of those stories in books mm, let me think um i think in a sense a girl which is in don't kiss me Mm -hmm. is sort of similar to that um I'll have to, I'll have to think, but I know that like, 
I'll just think about how that story makes me feel and how powerful it feels. And I'll, I will try to like harness that as I'm writing. Um, That's, I love that. I, but some uh, of it's personal, you know, like some of it's. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I was going to say the, the, uh, the title story in Cardinal is one I, I'm positive. I didn't know this at the time, but I'm positive. It's a result of me just reading that Brad Watson story over and over and over and over and over again. That's so funny that you didn't know it at the time, but now it's clear to you, right? Yeah. It's totally clear to me now. And I mean, yeah, absolutely. I think, and it wasn't until he read the book and that, and I was like really like thinking about like, Oh my God, he is reading the book right now (laughs) that I like was like thinking like, Oh wait. (laughs) And yeah, but but I mean that is something that um you know, I would encourage anyone to do. Yes. By all means. I think that's I think it's I think it's I don't know if it's necessary, but it absolutely was necessary for me to um you know, become obsessive about that story and really take it in in a way where it felt like it was a part of a language I was speaking and then I was able to disassociate from that fact so deeply that I could write my own story empowered by it. And I, you know, that that's the truth. It's, it, it sounds, it's a silly way to put it, but it really is true. I think that you can, you can take these stories in, in a way where they can, you know, lead you to new work. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I remember telling, I took a, a Moby Dick seminar with Dan Beachy quick. Who's like yeah, the Moby Dick guy of our oh, cool. time. Um, yeah, I felt like lucky at the time, but really, really lucky <laughs> in retrospect that I got to do that with him because um, like what better way to read that book. But I remember telling him I had I kept having this impulse that I wanted to sit down and re- retype it word for word mm-hmm. as a way of like figuring it out. And he was like, oh, absolutely. <laughs> he was mm-hmm. like, yes, you should totally do that. Um, because I think it is like, I I just want to know what it felt like, you know, But it's that impulse of like, teach me, you know? Absolutely. I think, and I think um, one thing that one like personal obsession I have is like, I feel like a lot of my favorite writers where they're really brilliant is in transition. Mm. And when you really start to see how someone, uh, you know, enters a paragraph, exits a paragraph or makes some kind of mid paragraph switch in some way, when you start to just, understand those ticks and and um reflexes i feel like that can be very powerful as a reader and then as a writer for sure i mean just i feel like dennis johnson's one i always think of for sure it's just like i mean yeah and everybody loves him right but it's like where if you really just look at the way he gets in and out of paragraphs i mean (laughs) there's like no there's no mystery there to why he's brilliant it's just like he he's he's doing it in a way that is just utterly unique i feel like and you know opens the work up in a, in a really amazing way i'm doing a terrible job describing it because i don't have anything in front of me right now but definitely definitely something to look at someone um i think it was j ryan Stradall mm. did like a like a summer program with dennis johnson or maybe he knew oh, someone cool. who did and wow. above dennis johnson's desk was god will not have his work made manifest by cowards wow and i just feel like that is that's some serious shit. Yeah. And no wonder. Yeah, no wonder. I just got a picture of Todd Helton. So that's maybe my problem. <laughs> there you go. But I'm getting on base. 
Mm-hmm. How Did was you week? get any? Uh, uh, it's it good. It was all right. Yeah, I was telling you. I was telling you before we got on. We we had a bit of a like a a running errands day that was intense today. In the in the harsh. Yeah, you're minimizing it because yeah. it was hell. What you were telling me about was hell. <laughs> yeah, it's it's cool now. It's okay. We're on to good things now. But yeah, it was just like a you know running around today, and it was pretty gnarly weather wise. I think it was yeah. you know. What was it zero negative weather whatever yeah right now it's one it's one degree right and uh so but you know the it was good it was brit's uh brit's birthday weekend so it was good to spend some time with her and uh did no writing did some reading i finished i read cockadolce this weekend and then um or over the past week and then i started um justin taylor's memoir today Ooh. and I, I was in the truck enough where I was, I'm listening to it. It's really great because he reads the audio book and uh, I'm really enjoying that. It's called Riding with a Ghost, I believe. I love it. Yeah, Riding with a Ghost. And uh, if any of you listening are audiobook people, Justin reads it himself and that makes all the difference. What, uh, what about you? Yeah, I think like we've just been, you know, <clears throat> just trying to get through this like we're in chicago like in a bad really bad weather uh spate of i don't know what three weeks yeah like there was a ton of snow this past um, week's been super cold though like yeah gnarly, gnarly. yeah like i <clears throat> i can't remember if i said this last week but i had to shovel like a bunch of times and then then it just got so cold that like <clears throat> i always take the kids outside like no matter what um like we make a plan to go to a some sort of like nature preserve or just you know somewhere because we're just better when we're outside otherwise they yeah. just kind of bounce off the walls mm-hmm. and um we weren't able to do that this week because it's just too cold so yeah we're just like facing every day just being like okay so how are we <laughs> gonna get through this day and it's just literally hour by hour like oh, okay God. i can distract them with books right now and can distract them with blocks. I, um, I'm trying to phase my role out in their playing because <laughs> I don't like doing that. I don't, I don't want to play. <laughs> like I want to like Swiffer or like, you know, unload the dishwasher or like right. sit there and enjoy you playing. Right. But I don't want to play. Um, now that's something like I do enjoy playing hide and seek and I, and I enjoy like going on walks with them and stuff like that, but like not when we're like, you pretend to be the cop and, I, and I'm the bad guy. Like, no, nope, nope, not doing that. <laughs> um, but that's harder with the littler ones because they, you know, it's actually the hardest with my middle. My, my youngest one is pretty good about like entertaining herself. Um, but yeah, it's just, and I know lots of parents feel this way where it's just like, no, this feels like torture, please. And I don't want to feel like, like ungrateful for your presence, but also please, I just want to be an adult anyway. But I, um, I did get work done. I got all three of my, um, my work days this week. Um, yeah, so that was good. Did some writing, mostly writing. I haven't really worked on editing, um, this new character, I started writing this new character this week and he's been a lot of fun. Mike Shasta. That's his name. Into the um, novel you've been working on. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's it awesome. jumps, it jumps around in time. And so Mike Shasta is the mother, you know, the mother of the boy who murdered her friend. It's her 
new boyfriend um, years and years in the future. Um, Just working on that. Nice. Did you have anything you wanted to read tonight? Uh, Yeah, I might read a little bit of Mike Shasta. Cool. Um, What about you? I don't. You got nothing. Okay. You got nothing. Next Uh, week, I'm going to have, I'll have two things, two short things. Yay. I'm not saying that I wrote them. Oh, okay. You're so generous. You're just so generous. Get out of here. Um, so Mike Shasta gets thrown out of their apartment or of her apartment, really. So he's in the parking lot right now. Got it. Uh, it was a gorgeous day, warm, but not hot. The smell of lilies and fried food. It was quiet. And Mike Shasta listened to his every breath. There were no fewer than three bright orange vehicles in the lot. Something about that felt fortuitous. Where did she go on those Sundays? Didn't he have cause to storm around as well, to throw cans? Not that he would ever throw a can at a woman. She always came back tired and distracted, prickly, some sort of obligation she dreaded and didn't want to discuss. He unlocked the driver's side door and sat sideways, his feet planted in the parking lot. An attractive older woman in an apron and name tag nodded at him and got into her little orange car and drove slowly out. There were plenty of fish in the sea for Mike Shasta. He was tall and trim and had a nice head of hair. He made decent money and he liked to go down on a woman. He kept his truck clean. He paid for dates. He couldn't stomach the idea of splitting the check. What sort of man split the check? Definitely not a man who used gel and liked the taste of pussy. Mike Shasta felt himself get indignant. His phone buzzed, a reply to the group text he'd sent. My mom would hate that. No offense. This is Samuel, by the way. Mike Mike Shasta saw how wrong he'd gotten it. Had every relationship in his life been him reacting to how he saw them seeing him? He pulled his legs in. He didn't have very many things at Jackie's, nothing he couldn't just replace at any Walmart. He stopped for a submarine sandwich at the grocery store, and he saw the woman from the parking lot at the next counter over, replenishing the donut case. Her hair was caught in a hairnet. I like your orange car, he said. His heart was pounding. He didn't really know what he was going He didn't really know what he was doing other than some vague attempt at doing the opposite of what Mike Shasta would normally do. I read once that lots of artists, their favorite color is orange. He held his sandwich like an ax. That's it. See, like, that's a good example of a good way to get out of a paragraph. (laughs) There you go. It is. I mean, Mm -hmm. like, that's the, you know, I don't have to tell you, but like that kind of thing. It's like, fuck. It's, I think a lot of people, it's not intuitive to end end on a note like that but that's the note you know what helps is when you don't have a lot of time so you can only write like 500 words Mm. so the next time you go to something you're like "Eh, i don't really want to so you just like pivot 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 (laughs) that's my thing put it on my tombstone pivot so like like because of the limitation you're getting a jagged edge whether you want one or not and then like when you come back so there so great yeah and i love that's that's what i love i because that's what sticks with you right like that weirdness that um the jazz note, the brown note. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I'll talk to you next week. See you, buddy. Bye. Bye. I'm a Writer Butt is recorded by Alex Higley and me, Lindsay Hunter, in our respective basements. Because there's a pandemic out there, please wear a mask. Yeah, yeah. Editing by Lindsay Hunter. Music by Max Loop. When people say that, I think it's a real, I mean, aside from you just now, Lindsay, but like when people are like, oh man, I just want like a proper hamburger or whatever. I'm like, God damn it. I I don't know. I fucking hate that. Isn't that like a British thing too? Seems like it. You're not British, Randy.